opinions as a slang von Rattenstein for the most metal band on earth, the Lords of the Trident. And after a long day of pillaging and sword fighting, I like to sit down in front of the old fire, pour myself a bottle of cognac, and listen to focus on metal, where the real metal is. Hey, Metalhead, Scott Thompson here, welcoming you to another week of Focus on Metal. So this week, we uh, head back to talking with producer-engineer Ron Nevison, and this is uh, part two of a two-parter. If you haven't heard part one, then you can head up to uh, focusonmetal.net or focusonmetalpod.com or up onto Amazon Music or iTunes or wherever the heck you are getting your Focus on Metal episodes from. And check out last week's episode where we delve into Ron's origin story and then dive into the main thrust of our convo with him, which is talking to him all about uh, bad English and uh, damn Yankees and the time period he spent working with those two bands. So without further ado, what do you say we just go ahead and Pick it up right from where we left off last week. So let's let's move on to the bad English record backlash now. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when I bought this and I read the credits, I I knew the band was already done. It was all in the press. Um, right. I've I've spoken to Dean Castronovo a little bit about this, about what was going right. on in the studio, that the tensions between everybody mm. and all that, and mm. all that fascinated me because. I'm always interested to know how you were able to pull this album off because of all the all the stuff that went down beforehand and the making of it and all that. Um, now, I want to go back before the album, though. You already had a history with John Waite, um, that and it it wasn't very fa- it didn't it wasn't very favorable that he felt that. You, you put songs on a record that he didn't really like. So you already had that before he even went into doing this record. Well, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do the record. Uh, Trudy Green, who was Hart's manager, and I had just had a very successful run with two big Hart albums, came to me and said, run, run, you know, in her little English voice. You know, told me about the group, and uh, of course, I love Journey. Uh, and uh, but I said, I'm not working with John Wade again. I'm sorry. You know, now to go back to your previous point about the babies. You know, I had a responsibility and a mandate from Terry Ellis uh, to have a hit on their record, and they didn't have one, in my opinion. And so I brought this song, Isn't It Time? And John wanted to do it. You know, Don John didn't want to do it. And Terry said, do it. And I said, you pay me, I do it. So it was never good. You have a a couple of, a bunch of young rockers come over from England. And now somebody's telling them to do a song that they didn't write. Well, uh, you know, I can see the frustration. Uh, and, uh, so it, it wasn't, it was never a good relationship with John. 
And John uh, has has an amazing ballad voice. He's not really a rocker. He's got one of the best ballad voices ever. And so this song was perfect for him. He wasn't writing stuff that I could get out on the on 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 CHR radio. Uh, to complicate matters, Chrysalis was a new label in in the U.S. at that time, and they didn't have they had independent distribution. It wasn't until Blondie and Benatar uh, that they they hooked up with EMI and got decent distribution. So I had radio hits with the both of the Babies albums, and they didn't they didn't go gold. Okay. You know, because they, there wasn't, they didn't have the penetration. Uh, they didn't have records in the stores. So when it came time for a bad English, I went, no, I'm not doing it. And she talked me into it. Um, uh, and I really did want to work with uh, Jonathan. I wanted to work with those guys. I didn't know Dean at the time, but I wanted to work with those guys. And uh, so I did. Although I did not finish the record, you probably know that part. Yeah. Um, before the re- you did the record, did you sit down with John at all? Maybe have dinner with him or, and discuss what was going to happen with this record? That he, he Maybe talk about his concerns with it? Or did you just go ahead and do it and then deal with all that uh, later? You know, Richie, Richie I don't remember. Uh, we might have had a meeting. I don't know if I had a one-on-one with him. I could have had a phone conversation with him, but it became apparent to me <clears throat> little things started happening when we were in the studio. It just reminded me of, of what a prick he is, you know. Uh, and, and little things like uh, he could never get the headphones right, you know. Uh, you know, he was just—he was a baby. I mean, the perfect names for this band, right? Mm. And uh, uh, so I, uh, after producing the whole record, when it came to his vocals, I told Trudy, I I can't do it. So they got somebody to finish his vocals and mix it. I think it's a pretty good record myself. I prefer Uh, prefer this record, Ron, to the debut. That's just my my opinion. This one is uh not, I don't think this one is as polished as the debut was. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, that's just yeah, me, though. I mean, so this is Eden. I remember Time Alone With You. There's some really, that's a great ballady John Waite uh, song. You know, there was good stuff on this record. And Jonathan and you know wrote most of the material, I think, because I remember. Um, and, of course, working with Neil Sean was great. I had no problem with them. I think we did. I remember going into Conway, which I had never worked at before, and I loved that. So the experience, except for John, again, was uh, was really good. Okay. Now, before I sp- I was I knew I was talking to you, Ron. I went yeah. and I, I I looked at a couple of John Wade interviews that he did about this record. <laughs> now, I'm gonna okay. re- I'm gonna read something out here, and you can respond any way you want on this. Um, okay. So he said about backlash, we hadn't written any songs that worked. We'd gone back in too soon, and the producer was just not the right man. The band fell apart, and I just got up and left. I really hung in there as long as I could. I was working 18-hour days on on songs and singing, and I came into the studio, and it would be like stony silence. There's just like this political bullshit, 
so I just turned around and left. That's his take on this record. Yeah, that's that's total bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's total bullshit. That's, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. As far as I remember, they had all the material, uh, it, and the songs show that it's good. I mean, I don't know how he can say that. Okay. But he's he's just not he's. He's one of the, my least favorite people I've ever worked with. Maybe the least. Him and Eddie Money. There's a, only a only a handful of people that I've worked with in the 75 or 100 albums I've done. That uh, and he's he's one of them. And and it's it's funny that that and I I think when we first decided to do this little interview, I'd mentioned to you that that Nugent and John Waite were two, two of my least favorite people. Yeah. And, and in fact, and, and in fact, they're both in the same interview, but, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate, I appreciate both of them as far as our relationships. I appreciate Ted as for what he does for his guitar playing. And, and I love John's voice, you know, but personally, uh, uh, the the, uh, uh, the the Nugent um, uh, uh, time that I spent with Nugent was just frustrating because he wouldn't give me the time. But I didn't have a, a bad time with Nugent like I did with John Wade. Okay. Um, what he said about Jonathan Cain, he said, well, we just couldn't get on. I mean, honestly, even when Journey was successful, he wasn't that friendly. He was always leaving early and coming in late. He was a very difficult person to get on with, and in the end, I just said, "Fuck it." That's what he said about Jonathan Kane. He's John Waite said that about Jonathan. Yes. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't. I would, you know, I, I, I wouldn't read a John Waite interview. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, look, John had a great voice and. And and he got in. He 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 came along with "Missing You," which was fantastic. Uh, a, a bigger record than he had ever done with Bad English or The Babies, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but he struggled with personality difficult difficulties with everybody he's ever worked with. Okay. I don't know any. I don't know anybody that's had a nice word to say about that guy. All right. Um. There's a lot of outside songwriters on Backlash on various songs on it, right? So you got like Russ Ballard, Mark Spiro, Diane Warren. How how do you know which songwriters to pick for each song that you know will work for that song? Is there a formula you had, Ron, for that? Uh, um, well, I'm looking right now at Backlash here on all music as far as the writers go. Yeah. Uh, so this is Eden, Jonathan Kane and John Wade. Straight to your heart, Jonathan Neal, Mark Spiro, who's a great writer, and John Wade. Yeah. Time's is still John Wade. Time Alone with You, John Wade, Jonathan Kane. Dancing Off the Edge, Jonathan Kane, John Wade. Rebel Say a Prayer, Jonathan Kane, John Wade. Savage Blue, Jonathan Kane, John Wade. Pray for Rain, Jonathan Kane, John Wade. Make Love Last, Jonathan Kane, John Wade. Life at the Top, Jonathan Kane, John Wade. Where are all these writers you're saying? Right. I have the CD in front of me. 
So this okay. is Eden. So it's just bad, it's bad, bad information yeah. on, uh, yeah. on all music. So, so oh, the CD okay. I'm looking at it has Wade Kane Ballard. Straight to your heart is Wade Kane Spyro Sean. Time stood right, still right, right. is Wade Phillips and I think it's Jesse Harms. Well, Phillips is the bass player. Oh, Ricky Phillips. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. The next one, the time alone with you was Wade Warren and yeah. Kane. Uh, then Dancing oh, Off the Edge okay. of the World is Wade Kane and Sean. So that's the band. Rebel Say a Prayer is yeah. Wade, Wade Kane Ballard. Savage Blue right. is Wade Kane Sean. Pray for Rain is Wade Mark Spiro Kane. Uh, and right. then Make Love Last is Wade Kane. And then Life at the Top is Wade Kane Spiro Pierce. All right. All right. So the question, yeah. the question I, I the question I have is, how do you know what songwriters to bring into which song, or is that even up to you? Not at all up to me. These songs were brought. These were songs that were already. I. This is not a a, a question of, of of a producer getting. You know, let me put it like this. You know, if I went into into a a, a meeting uh, about producing an album, and uh, I really wanted to work with this band. But they didn't have uh, the songs that I thought would could be hits. Yeah, I would say let me bring outside tunes, or I'm going to suggest you work with Diane Warren or Mark Spiro or all of this. These, this was all. Now I don't know, coming up to Backlash, why the other producer was not used. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just remember Trudy Green talking me into it. And they were, as far as I know, ready to go. Maybe uh, somebody else started the record before me or something. I don't know. But I didn't have a say in in the music, but I loved all the songs. I mean, I, I was happy with all of that. I just wasn't happy with John. So you you got on great so, with, with everyone in the band, except John, like performance-wise, personality-wise, everything. I don't know great, but I, I certainly got along well with everybody. Okay. I love Dean. And yeah, Jonathan and Neil were easy to work with. Yeah, we had a good relationship. Did Did you know Dean was that good a singer before you did the record? I didn't. I didn't know Dean at all. Uh, it's it's you know somewhere around the time that I I did the record, uh, which is what ninety one or something. Ninety one, yeah. Nine ninety. Uh, I had bought a house up in the Pacific Northwest, and Dean lived in Salem, Oregon. And I want—I remember uh, talking about that, but I didn't really know Dean uh, before this. And uh, we never did another record together, so and that was the one a one-off with Dean. Mm. Tell me about recording Neil Sean in the studio. Um, was he someone that had a million ideas or was easy to rein in like that? I don't remember. Okay. I really don't. I don't remember specific. There's been so many. I just remember, uh, and you know, I didn't mix it, but I think whoever mixed it did a really good job on it. As I remember. Um, but he was just a polished guy. I mean, he was a great, he was, he was a real uh, prodigal. I mean, he was a young, he wasn't young then, but, he, you know, he was, uh, he'd been around for a long time, Neil. And, and uh, you know, and I had spent a lot of time in the Bay Area. You know, when I came to, uh, back to L.A. from London, 
uh, and the way I, I got the job at the record plant, uh, you know, they brought me in as the chief engineer at the record plant in 1975. I had built a studio for Ronnie Wood and Ronnie, uh, for Ronnie Wood at, at his house called the wick, which actually Pete Townsend owns now uh-huh. he's selling. I saw his listed. I built a studio for him and I built a studio for Ronnie Wood in this Airstream trailer that we used for at Headley Grange for Zeppelin. We used it for the bad company se- uh, sessions and used it for a number of years from 72 to 75. And anyway, uh, the faces were on tour, uh, and um, Ronnie Wood was just about to go into the Rolling Stones. And uh, it was their final kind of tour, and Warner Brothers was recording it, and they were using the record plant trucks. And so uh, Ronnie Wood asked Chris Blackwell, uh, I mean, not Chris Blackwell, Ronnie Wood asked uh, uh, Chris uh, the, Cal, Gary Kelgren and uh, Chris Stone, who are the owners of the record plant. Hey, come on over to London, man. Hang out uh, during the hiatus of the tour. And so uh, they came over and saw the studio that I built and saw that I'd worked with the who and Quadrophenia and Zeppelin. And, and they, they promptly offered me the job of chief engineer of the record plant. And so uh, I, I came I moved to LA in 75 and one of my jobs was to go up to the Sausalito record plant, which was part of their kind of, uh, uh, thing and, uh, part of their company and, um, and, and look after that. So I started spending a lot of time in Northern Cal and, and getting into the scene, the music scene there. And of course, I a couple of years later, I produced Jefferson Starship, three records. So uh, those guys had been around. I, I'd run into them all the time. Okay. So, um, uh, they were they weren't they weren't new to me, but Dean was. Okay. Um, you said there that you're still you're still in contact with Jack Blades from Damn Yankees. Are, are you still in touch with anyone from Bad English? No. Okay. I'm not. Okay. When Ron, when you left that project. Did you know back then, did you have a feeling that there's no way this band is going to last? Oh, I don't know if I, I, I didn't know if I had, I don't think I had a thought. Okay. I, I was just, I was just glad to be out of there. Yeah. Was it, was it the hardest album you've ever made? No, <laughs> no. I had harder albums to make. Okay. Uh, and look, there's a lot of, in those days, you know, we spent three three months on on records. In those days, yeah. And how many three months in a year do you get, right? So I could only do a certain amount of records a year, and I got I missed out on a lot of things that where the timing wasn't right. You know, uh, like White Snake, I was supposed to do that. I even went in the studio with Coverdale and worked on. Worked on a couple of uh, vocals with him, um, but he had just had an operation, and by the time he was ready to go, I was somewhere else. Okay. So uh, it happens a lot. I remember being in London and uh, missing out on a Super Tramp record, and there's lots of people like that came to me like um, uh, I don't know. I could go on and on. I don't want to. 
Yeah. Uh, final qu- final question, Ron. Of, of the yeah. two two damn Yankees records and the bad English one, which one is your favorite? Yeah. Uh, the damn Yankees. The debut. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's one of my top top favorites of all time. Okay. Nice. It's a great album. You caught yeah. light. You seem to catch lightning in a bottle there, and the thing just, you know, broke. Well, we had we had those ingredients. We had that coming of age song. Yeah. Which you know, a great pop rocker, and then the the slam the door with the ballad, you know, which went to number three in Billboard. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ron, do you want to give out any social media sites where people can get in touch with you? No, I don't care about that. <laughs> You're not involved in it. I don't blame you. So, well, no, I have, I have a, I have a, uh, website. I do have a Facebook. Web- I have a website. Facebook. I have, yeah, I have a, I have a website. Yeah, RonNevison.com. Okay. And uh, I'm doing a lot of mixing these days because I can do it at home. I'm a single dad with a ten-year-old little girl. Okay. And so, uh, with you know, with digital age, uh, I've got a studio in my house and. Um, so I'm doing a fair amount of mixing. I just mixed the Key Marcello record, as as you were mentioning, mm-hmm. and so that was pretty pretty interesting. Uh, uh, after I mixed the ten songs, um, and I have an engineer that works with me that has a studio in Portland, Oregon, which is about seventy miles from where I live, and we did a final day of tweaking, you know, tweaking each song after I did the mixing. Uh, and I, I, we had uh, all three studios online, uh, one in Gothenburg, Sweden, and mine in, Port, in, in White Salmon, Washington. And we had uh, my, Matthew, uh, my engineer in Portland. All three of us, uh, I was at the console, and, and in real time, they were listening to what I was doing. <laughs> and uh, and we, had, we had Zoom going so we could all talk to each other and see each other. And it was, uh, you know, what's happening these days? Uh, you know, COVID has has kind of accelerated the the remote uh, working environment. Yeah. And so it was very, very cool. And so, yeah, I'm I'm more comfortable now doing remote stuff uh, than I was uh, because of, I guess, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. Yeah. Now, Michael Wagner, a couple of months ago, I think it was on his seventy second birthday. He announced his retirement, that he wasn't going to do it anymore. Have you thought about that? No, I'm quite happy right now. I'm, I'm 76, and I'm quite happy uh, as long as I can uh, do quality stuff. I'm quite happy doing this. Uh, I don't have to leave my house, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and and But I'm not. I mean, I did two, two projects, even with COVID. I did two projects last year, uh, 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 three projects where I, I did them in the studio and two, one was in LA, one was in uh, Santa Rosa, California. So uh, I couldn't fly. So I drove down and uh, rented Airbnbs. So I didn't have to be in a hotel and uh, still managed to do three, three projects in between all the mixing I'm doing. Nice. Nice. Well, Ron, listen, I'm going to leave you go. It's been, yeah. a pl- it's been a pleasure. Okay. Thanks for all those it's records over the years. To you, Richie. Yeah, take care of yourself, Ron. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye. And there you go. There is a wrap with Richie's chat with the legendary Ron Nevison. And again, like I said back on episode 517, if you don't know the kind of the sheer scope of what this guy's done, 
then uh, you know look him up on the net wikipedia has kind of a small list of what he's done because again he has done just so many different things it's it, he is again one of these guys it's a just a high output producer engineer involved with all kinds of stuff and he's also kind of one of these mr fix-it guys too where when shit starts to go wrong they might say hey can you bring ron in here so definitely nice to get him on the show hopefully we can have him back on again and uh, pick his brain about some more focused things because you know he's one of these guys where you know, you talk to him and it's like, what is it that we want to really focus on? Otherwise, you're just going to skim on all kinds of stuff. And as any longtime listeners know, you guys know that we just love to dig in with guys like the producers. A lot of times they remember a lot of stuff that the artists don't. And uh, since we've got a little bit of time left, that's kind of a loose term. But anyways, uh, you know, I was really happy. Those of you who follow us on Twitter know that finally my boss, HM2W, finally showed up. Very happy. Got that one in my little hands. And add that to my ever-growing arsenal of stomp boxes. The number is uh, insane at this point. But then what does boss do to us? They finally start delivering on the HM2W after months. And then they announce the new Wazacraft fuzz. So it's like, God damn it. And the thing sounds amazing. And it can do so much stuff between the two modes. And it's like... I'm going to have to buy that damn thing now, too. So what are you doing to me, boss? You just keep putting out great products. And, you know, even with all the boutique stuff out there, I got to tell you that uh, those of you looking for, you know, good stomps, if you turn your nose up at boss products, don't. They are legendary, legendary products. And they're one of those things where if it does for whatever goddamn reason, I've never had one break on me. But if it did, you can pretty much find them everywhere. And uh, they are just, they're well worth your money to do that and yeah i love all of the boutique ones out there as well but um, i do like all my boss stuff and i've got a lot of it so anyways we are i think about halfway through november at this point and uh, some good stuff coming up and i believe next week is going to be a chat with james labrie from dream theater and he'll primarily be talking about uh, their 15th studio album a view from the top of the world that just came out last month. So there is definitely something to look forward to there. And also, we have a great chat with uh, Craig Goldie coming up as well. Lots of good stuff from Craig. And a few more things in there as well that I haven't really edited up yet or got to. But uh, good stuff coming up in the next few weeks. But I think, like I said, as of right now, we are probably looking at... uh, at James Labrie for next week. And with that, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself, Richie, and everybody else hanging out here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. Be safe out there. And as always, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.